the problem with preaching is that it is such a, a public ministry that that it, it it invites engagement and feedback, and um, sometimes that is that is overwhelmingly encouraging, and people have been moved. Um, maybe someone's been saved that day, and they tell you, and and you're you're exalted, and you're you're pleased. Um, other times, you you get criticism, you get pushback um maybe the worst you realize the criticism is fair and you you misrepresented the passage or, or the lord um and, and you feel gutted you feel crushed and i think that when we when we see ourselves primarily as servants then we we live or die by our service um and and there's a, we are servants that is language we're slaves paul calls us bond servants um but i i was um struck and the, the kind of genesis for the book that i wrote and the thinking that i was doing around that time was mark chapter 10 verse 45 where jesus says for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 209. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and I'm really glad that you're listening because this week's episode is a very like heartwarming and encouraging conversation that I got to have with John Hindley. Uh, John speaks about the importance of like preparing sermons, uh, but just as, if not more importantly, is the importance of preparing the preacher's heart. So he honestly um, speaks to us and gives like, you know, really experiential advice as to how we're able to serve Christ and keep our joy in the midst of like a challenging and sometimes grueling ministry of regular week in and week out uh, preaching and teaching and leading. So in other words, uh, John and I speak about how can we serve without sinking. Um, in this conversation, we also speak about cricket hill walking, and loads of other just like quintessentially British topics. So I have a feeling that you're going to enjoy that wherever you are listening from. Okay, so I don't know where you're listening, but if you were listening to this on the week of this podcast's uh, release into the world, uh, this is the week of our Costa Mesa, California training event. Uh, it's February 18th and 19th. Uh, it's this coming Friday and Saturday, if you're listening to this as the episode's new. And I've been inviting you to it nearly every single week. But at this point, if you're not coming now, you're probably not coming. So there's no point in me inviting you afresh. Uh, but for a lot of you listening, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person on Friday as we get registered and signed up and begin what's going to be a very long, very intense, uh, very life-giving, very fun uh, time together, learning how to um, study a passage, examine it, uh, use inductive Bible study methods to break it down, uh, being introduced or being coached in the Christ-centered hermeneutic, and then working on like public delivery and homiletics. It's going to be a really intense couple of days, and I'm looking forward to experiencing that along with you. Uh, for the rest of you, 
Hey, would you pause and would you pray for us? You know, there's a lot of, you know, planning and preparations and slideshows and all this kind of stuff going on. But, you know, the Psalms say, unless the Lord builds the house, um, the workers labor in vain. And I hope that my work and the work of the other members of the steering committee and all of the group leaders and all the speakers and all the hosts, we don't want our labor to be in vain. So as you're listening to this, uh, would you please pray? that it can be a very impactful time together for the men and women that are coming along uh, and for the groups and the churches that are going to be impacted because of what we're doing this Friday and Saturday. All right. Thank you. And here's my interview with John Hindley on Serving Without Sinking. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast and I'm honored to be speaking with John Hindley. And uh, John, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Really looking forward to this conversation. Me too, Mike, thank you for having me. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna jump straight into it. So John, you've been teaching the Bible for more than two decades. Um, Do you remember the first time that you ever like preached a sermon or taught the Bible in public? Yes, I do. Actually, I remember it very clearly, Mike. Um, It wasn't in a church setting. Uh, I'd been asked to take an assembly at the local high school. Um, So not a Christian school. I was working as an intern for a church and um, I was doing quite a bit of youth work as part of that. And the head teacher of the school um, asked me if I'd go in and take an assembly for the entire school. So probably about 1,200 high school um, students. And And my only previous experience of public speaking had been when I had been at school and I'd been part of a a sort of enterprise club that the school had run. And we'd run a kind of mini business to try to learn about about the world of business. And we'd given an assembly to the school on this. And I remember I'd written little notes on an index card like I'd seen my dad do when he had to do a presentation at work. And I stood up with my notes. I think I was meant to speak for five minutes or something as one of the team. And I I was so scared that I didn't speak from my notes. I just read the bullets. And Mm. it probably took about 20 seconds. And I sat down (laughs) with sweat pouring off me. And I swore I would never speak in public again. Uh, So so there I was. And I I was walking up the hill from my flat to the school. And and I said, Lord, we both know I can't do this. I I don't have the skills to speak in public. I'm scared and I don't know why I said yes. And, and I just prayed that the Lord would get me through it. And, um, and he did. And I don't think it was the most profound gospel presentation ever, but I, I presented the gospel to those those boys and girls, young men and women. And and I walked back down the hill thinking, God gives the gifts that, that he asks you to use. And it has been such a blessing since to know that I can only stand up, whether it's on a Sunday preaching or in an evangelistic context, because God has given me a gift. And because it was, I think, I, I just feel blessed that it was so directly obvious. You always, God gives the gifts. Maybe 
I could have been a great orator and God would have had to um, anoint that with his spirit for it to do any spiritual good. But for me, I couldn't even do the, the human bit. So that, that first um, public proclamatory Bible teaching really um, sticks with me, to be honest, because of that. Yeah, of course. How, how could it not? And did I hear you right? Did you say it was to about a thousand students? I'm, I'm thinking so. Um, I mean, it felt like 10,000. Of course, <laughs> <But> of course. <laughs> it was a whole school assembly. And that, yeah, I think that was roughly the size of the school. So something like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really cutting your teeth. And uh, well, when was the next time? Like, I mean, that's that's a very big thing and, and probably not a weekly event. Um, how did it come from that once off event to perhaps becoming a regular rhythm or at least being asked to do it again? Yes. So I was, as I said, I was serving as um, an intern in the church and they wonderfully um, opened up opportunities for me to preach. So it was part of a, a team of churches, Church of England churches, a team ministry. And as part of that, they had several smaller chapels. Um, and so they they asked me to go and preach there. And that was that was wonderful that the, um, brothers and sisters there were used to having visiting preachers kind of cutting their teeth. Um, yeah. And they were very encouraging and very kind. And um, I remember talking through and uh, getting feedback from my first um, expository sermon, as it were, and um, the chap who was mentoring me, Simon, he said, he said, you know, John, you don't have to say everything in the Bible in one sermon. Um, and, and just gently took me through what maybe was from that passage and then the rest that I'd brought in. Uh, so I got those great opportunities to speak in small contexts, where there were maybe 20 or 30 um, mature saints. They were able to give me feedback that was helpful, but on the whole was encouraging, which was probably what I needed as a very nervous young man. Um, and then I remember as I as I got more used to it, I was then asked to speak in, in the larger churches where there maybe be 100, 200 people uh, gathered on a Sunday. So they were they were very good. The, the, the pastors were very good at just gently giving opportunities, giving feedback, helping me. They went through my sermons with me, gave me a huge amount of time to make both serve the church better, but also to understand what I was doing and to grow um, as a young preacher. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a gift. You, you mentioned that some of the early feedback was that you, you shouldn't try to cram the whole Bible into any one single, single sermon that kind of yeah leads me into the next question, which is to say like, yeah, what, what are the ways that you have grown or maybe to state it negatively, what are the mistakes that you used to make that you, you don't make anymore or what's that process look like over the past 25 years? Hmm. Yeah, thank you. I think that the big, the big, um, or, or the, the central focus for me as I grew as a preacher was to be um, a faithful expositor of the Bible passage. And, and partly maybe that early experience of trying to preach a sermon that was a, an entire systematic theology. Um, but I think as well, there was a lot of emphasis uh, from the the pastors I worked with, from the conferences they encouraged me to go on, um, from the books that I read, on on careful biblical exposition, which was a wonderful foundation as a preacher. Um, but then I read a book, um, very famous, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones book, Preaching and Preachers, uh, which, which many will have read. 
And there was a, a section in there, and I can't quote it, I should have looked it up, but where where Dr. Lloyd-Jones said that once you've done your exposition, he said that was essential for preaching. He said, once you've done that, don't think that you've prepared your sermon. He said, you need to um, expound the passage, then you need to prepare the sermon. He said, and then you need to prepare the preacher's heart. And I think I was at the point where I thought, basically, if I'd expounded the passage and stood up and delivered that, that was preaching. And it, it just exploded my horizons. And at the same time, I remember um, the Lord opened my eyes to that, that great charge in, in Second Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season, be prepared, um, rebuke, correct, exhort and encourage with great patience and with teaching. And I suddenly realised that preaching the word, it must involve teaching, but that teaching and preaching are not the same. There's that prophetic element, the anointing of the spirit, the point where the Lord comes and himself preaches to our hearts through the, the human preacher. Um, and, and I think that changed for me um, my, my understanding of what I was doing when I was preaching. Uh, it changed my preparation. It made me much more prayerful in my preparation. Um, it made me deliberately want to to have what what the older preachers I was getting to know called a freedom in the pulpit. Uh, I remember one preacher saying to me that sometimes you feel like you're a a ship sailing with the winds behind you uh, as the spirit carries you along. And, and I remember thinking, yes, I I don't want to be so prepared in the detail of what I say that there's no room for the spirit to to be changing my words as I as I preach. Um, and for me, I found it helpful to move from full script to notes. Um, I should say at this point, Dr. Lloyd-Jones always used both, um, as far as I understand it. So, so he sometimes preached from a full script and sometimes from notes. So I don't think there's any, any need to preach from notes to have that freedom. But for me, I found it very hard not to read a full script and it very hard to deviate. So I... Mm taught myself to preach from notes so that I would have that um, kind of dependence moment by moment on the work of the Spirit as I preached, rather than being able to kind of go on to any sort of autopilot. Uh, so I, I shifted like that. Um, and I think I also realised that then my, my preparation to preach needed to include very much my walk with the Lord as well and my heart and that I couldn't just kind of pitch up on a Sunday um, with my mind full of whatever I've been watching on TV the night before or whatever it was and and preach that actually there needed to be a, a relating I needed my eyes um, fixed on Christ as I sought to preach into others. Yeah <clears throat> John thank you thank you for letting us in on that process. Uh, what I guess made you aware of that need for change and that that need for growth? Um, was it a mentor highlighting something to you? Uh, or did you just become aware that there needed to be those changes? I think there was a yes. I, I think there was a a conference I went to, and um, there was a preacher there, one of the, the speakers, um, talking about his experience of being, uh, of learning to preach. And he, he was a, a cricket player. So this analogy is, I don't really understand cricket, but he said 
he was told we're on the same we're on the same team nor do i thank you for (laughs) good I think the metaphor might translate um, into lots of sports because it wasn't about the details of silly mid-on or googlies or other things that, that who knows. Um, so he, he said he was, he said it was like being a bowler and he was taught to pitch the ball at a certain line and a certain length to be on target. Um, and he could preach sermon after sermon. He said it was a line and length, line and length, line and length. You just preach and preach and preach and, and you, you hit the target. You, you, tell the truth about Jesus. So the problem is you never actually get anyone out if you just bowl a standard bowl. You have to do something surprising to catch the batsman out. That was his point. He said with preaching, you you need to you want to engage people's hearts and their their desires and their imaginations as well as their minds. And he said that's that's something you you need to to have your eyes on Christ. You need to come at the text slightly differently yes you need to expound it but that can't be all and that i think that got me thinking oh i think i just do that i think i've and and his point was you can't you can't preach the odd you know you can't preach a a ball that will catch the batsman out unless you know how to do the sort of standard line and length line and length so i thought yeah i'm very grateful for this solid grounding this training that i've had but actually i think i need to understand and i I think that set me on a course of thinking, well, where do I go? And someone recommended um, Preaching and Preachers. And I think that's what got me really that. And then that Uh sort of is what then blew my mind. Um, I think then I started listening to preachers as well, who I remember Tim Keller coming to London and and I heard him talking about preaching to the heart. And I thought, oh, yes, that, that chimes in. And it was, as the Lord often does, he shows you things from different angles. And yeah, that, that, yeah, that he'll, he'll triangulate something I've, I've found. And I, I think, yeah, there needs to be that combination from the pulpit of like, to, to some degree, we should be predictable, you know, like there should be the, the reading of the passage and our people should expect that what we say is connected to what was read. So there should be that predictability, but, but, and again, the cricketing metaphor is, is lost on me, the nuances, but I think I get the big picture is, is yeah, predictability in that um, is, is valuable, but yet there does need to be that, that surprise that to catch people or, or ask a question that maybe they didn't see coming and then show how the scripture gives an answer even to that, or how the scripture asks questions of us and calls us to response. So you, you wrote a book in 2015 called you can really grow and i know that it wasn't about preachers growing but that has to do kind of with our our growth as as individual christians and uh and there's another book that you wrote uh called serving without sinking and that one maybe more addresses uh us ministry oriented uh uh, men and women um so here's here's a question that is kind of custom for you that I don't ask the other the other guests so far but like how can a preacher serve the Lord serve their congregation um, without without sinking I'm sure you've put some thought into this yes I have Mike and it's it's an ongoing um it's an ongoing battle for me a battle I think it's a, a besetting sin to use that that language of of finding my or trying to find my worth and my significance and my identity in the opinion of of others, mm. um, which mm. is not a it's not an uncommon sin. And the problem with preaching is that it is such a, a public ministry that 
that it, it, it invites engagement and feedback. And um, sometimes that is that is overwhelmingly encouraging and people have been moved. Uh, maybe someone's been saved that day and they tell you and and you're you're exalted and you're you're pleased um other times you you get criticism you get pushback um maybe the worst you realize the criticism is fair and you you misrepresented the passage or, or the lord um and, and you feel gutted you feel crushed and i think that when we when we see ourselves primarily as servants then we we live or die by our service. Um, and and there's a, we are servants. That is language. We're slaves. Paul sure. Us, yeah. bond slaves. Um, but I I was um, struck, and the, the kind of genesis for the book that I wrote and the thinking that I was doing around that time was Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, now, in the context, he is addressing that the attitude of the disciples, James and John, have wanted to sit at his left and right hands, um, and he is correcting them. But for him, or for his example to be valid, it must also be, of course, true. And he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And that the switch that that turned in my mind was to think i'm i'm only a servant of christ after christ is a servant of me um, jesus great glory is not that he has many servants but that he even gives his life to serve others so he is the servant king whom we serve yeah that's a that's a shift isn't it um i I spent a semester in in Germany, and when I attended um, church services there, the service was called um, yeah Gottendienst, which which I'm told is translated as God's service. And I assumed, oh yeah, that makes sense because we go to church to serve God, and was corrected that it's actually no God serves us. We come to church, and through the preaching of the word and through the sacraments, God. God deeds us, you know, God serves us. And I just remember noticing that because I'm interested in language and etymology and other nerdy stuff like that. As Actually, a lot of preachers are kind of interested in this kind of stuff. But I just noticed that and that struck with me all, you know, huh, I think of church as I go to serve God. Maybe it's God serves me. So that that is a shift that you've probably thought of quite a bit. And how how is that? fed through your life since then yeah it's i mean it's an amazing shift and um I just, just to kind of detail for a sec there's a, one of the most radical places i think you see that shift and it's not directly in relation to preaching but um second corinthians chapter eight um paul is collecting for the saints in in jerusalem and judea they're under famine and he writes um to the, the corinthians about the macedonian church and he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So this is the grace of God that is given among them. It's, it's to them. This is God's gift to them. 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. And Paul goes on. But the point is that the Macedonian churches who are very poor, they're in extreme affliction, possibly persecution. They have begged Paul to give more than they can afford to relieve the famine of the the churches in Judea. And Paul says that is God's gift to them. And you think, wow, that is extraordinary. And of course, it's true because he wants them to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. So he is giving them a generosity that that makes them like Christ. And I think, well, as as a preacher, there's a sinful part of me that desires to be well thought of to be famous for millions to download my sermons um, whatever it is but there's also a part of me that desires to be a faithful servant of Christ that desires to be a man of integrity who lives by what he says he desires to be a man who loves his brothers and sisters so that he preaches what is good and right for the people whom the Lord has set on his heart out of pure love for the Lord and them you know I I genuinely desire those good things because the spirit has set them in my heart. My flesh desires other things. So in some ways, preaching has become a a battle between my desires. And rather than thinking I, I want to be well thought of as a preacher, I ought to be faithful. You know, I long to be faithful and God gives me that desire. And and so I think that that sense of um, being able to, to see Yes, my service of Christ as his service of me, um, as you were saying with that, that understanding in the German, that is, that is beautiful and wonderful because it means that when we stand up on a Sunday to preach, we anticipate that Christ will serve us as we do so and that he will serve our brothers and sisters in front of us. And it, it does change the whole feel and um, tone and probably the content of, of preaching as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when it comes to, let's say, the, the content of, of preaching, um, realizing that we're not given a slot on a Sunday morning so that we can extract or take things from, from the congregation, you know, be it um, financially or we got to get people to fill this rota, that we're not just there to, to take, but to, to offer the, the generous and the goodness of, of the Lord that we've experienced and he's served us. And so we're able to, on his behalf or along his side, um, to be serving uh, the wonderful women and men that are part of our congregations. Mm. Mm. And it is, it is amazing that we, we get to do that and that it is a gift to us and to them. And it, it just cuts off that sense of sort of feeling resentful that everyone else gets to just come to church and you have to come and work you know which which can creep in um so often does creep in as preachers oh and i have to grin when you say that because i i, I get it <laughs> i get it 100 percent. you know um it'd be yeah 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 it's it's a it's a wonderful privilege and it also is a whole lot of work um and and they're t- totally intertwined and we can't separate the one from the other and to not put work and effort into it means that we're not even serving the people that we're called to serve um and that the lord is interested in serving through us so they're intertwined and i yeah if people want to learn more about this right they can uh, get serving without thinking am i right 
<laughs> they can, they can. Yeah, I loved writing it, and it's it's brilliant because it's got the gospel in it. Um, I probably messed it up a bit, but Jesus is very kind. <laughs> he sh- he sure is. So from that kind of more like you know big picture theoretical, now let's just like dive into mm. um, what's your weekly rhythm look like. So you know Sunday's coming. Um, what what do you do in the lead up to a Sunday? Mm. And one one interesting. Um, change that I have made over the years is I do now um, spend more time working on the book as a whole, the Bible book that we're, we're preaching from. So part of my my weekly rhythm, at the minute we're preaching through uh, Lamentations in the Old Testament, but part of my weekly rhythm is reading through Philippians, which we're going to be preaching in a couple of months is our next main series. Um, and I'm trying to work on, on the book as a whole. And I found that that has been a huge blessing to to have a a better sense of how the whole book fits together the major themes a lot of that is just reading it and reading it and reading it i I downloaded the audio audio version i'm listening to philippians um but also starting to work on some of the the theological books um, and commentaries around that Uh, so so that has been been a real blessing so i generally come to the passage for the next sunday with with quite a lot of time um invested in 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 thinking about the whole book which the downside is i then have less time to invest in the particular passage week by week but i've found overall i think that makes for for better preaching um for me it also has the advantage that i preach probably about uh three quarters of the sermons at our church and i seek to try and just help the others um who are who are preaching fellow elders and, and other preachers uh, so we'll meet together and i will um, teach what I've learned from the book as a whole, because I, I'm employed by the church. I have more time. They yeah. don't have the time to be doing that, um, particularly not if it was a longer book. So I get to pass some of that on, which then helps our preaching together to, to hang together and to serve the church better. Um, in terms of the actual passage during the week, I will read the passage on a Monday morning um, to get it in my mind. And and I um, I live in a beautiful part of the world. I I struggle with um, uh, periods of sort of low mood and anxiety. Um, and one of the the great helps in that is getting out into God's creation. So I try every day to go for a run or a walk um, around the, the lanes around here. And that's why I want to get the passage kind of lodged in my mind early in the week, so that as I walk, I'm just pondering it. Um, and thinking about it and then typically on a Tuesday sometimes it's a Monday sometimes it's a Wednesday it depends a bit on how the week goes pastor of a small church it's all very mixed up but um I will... miss, isn't it yeah I mean, it is it really is but but yeah. sometime first half of the week lord willing um I will I'll write out the passage and I I found it hugely helpful just to take a pen and um a pad of paper and slowly write out, stop and pray. Um, I always have another bit of paper where if I start to notice, oh, this word crops up a lot, or oh, I wonder what the wonder what the Greek is behind that, or oh, and how does that connect with that passage? I just jot down, so I'm, I'm not too distracted. I can focus on it, but I'm making some kind of links that might come in useful. Um, and I will, I will just, and I'll just take some time to write it out and to pray, to pray for the, the Spirit's illumination. 
um, to pray over particular matters, to pray for members of the church. I might think, oh, this could really help that yeah. person. Oh, this is going to be a tough teaching for that person. I need to pray for them. Um, it's a small fellowship. So I generally know a fair bit of what's going on in, in one another's lives as they do in mine. So so that's a real, a real blessing preaching to a small um, church. Uh, and then, then typically on a, a Thursday or, or more often a Friday, I will then have a chunk of time, um, a morning or an afternoon, and come back to all that work, the notes I'll have been making, the things I'll have jotted on my phone when I was out for a walk, and just begin to pull together what what's the shape of the passage, what's the shape of the sermon. I, I work on the two together. I used to kind of do passage and then sermon. I think over the years I've kind of learned that I can do the two at the same time and for me that works better um although I think it was helpful that I started off separating them and I I work on the two together and then I'll turn that into notes I'll have that done by tea time on a Friday um I have Saturday as a family day and then um our church meets at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and so uh sometimes I'm leading Sunday school for the children in the morning so at some point on Sunday, I'll spend um, an hour or two, usually directly before the meeting, sometimes early in the morning, depends what's happening, but just praying, reading the passage, mm-hmm. going through my notes, just making last minute adjustments and, and changes, um, but mostly seeking to delight in Christ in the passage for myself um, and, and praying for the spirit to come, you know, the Lord says in Luke 11 that if we ask the Father to give us his spirit, he will not refuse. So so I, I ask again, again, Lord, give me his spirit so that I, I preach Christ faithfully. The other side of it, yeah, which is probably important, is I find, particularly recently, I find Sundays really difficult. Um, I've just found that I'm very often anxious and fearful and um, and low, downcast, um, borderline, borderline sort of depression type stuff. It doesn't last long enough to be depression, but just very often there's a there's a struggle. And my hunch is some of that is is attack from Satan um, on a day where I particularly get to serve Christ. I think some of it is is that I'm I'm tired and I I struggle to trust the Lord with the many responsibilities that there are, the many opportunities that there are as as pastor of a, a small church that's well connected in with its community. You know, there's a lot to do, um, a lot of practical stuff needs doing, there's a lot of opportunities for the gospel. And I I think I, I often get um I feel like Martha in in um is it Luke Luke nineteen or is it Luke ten? It's Luke ten, isn't it? Yeah, Luke ten thirty. Yeah, not nineteen. Yeah, um, where where Jesus says, you know, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, and and that is just such a good description of me, and it it, it weighs me down, and so there's quite a a battle um, in prayer, and um, and my church family pray for me in this, and it's a it's a battle I wanted to try to be open about because. Because it does, it does take a toll, and I think, 
you know, sometimes preaching feels, it does feel like you've got the wind behind your sail. Sometimes it feels like you've got the wind in your face and you're trying to make headway. And, and yeah, just- yeah. You, you mentioned that earlier on about, yeah, with, with the, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I know what that feels like. I also know what it feels like to be in thigh deep water and be running. And it just feels that like everything is going against you and you're just barely making any progress at all. So thanks for coming back to that image. And, and you know what? Something I've learned is, you can't tell from how it feels how the Lord is using it. Um, you know, I kind of feel like the ones where it feels like, yeah, you're just running downhill, you're the ship with the wind in your sails. You think, oh, that's anointed. That you know, here, the Lord is is bringing His His word into people's hearts. Um, and the times when it feels like you're yeah you're running in thigh deep water, it just feels like this is just human. It's empty. It's but so often after that someone comes up to you with tears in their eyes and tells you about how the Lord used it. And you think, goodness, I felt like I was trying to trying to get blood out of a stone. It was, and, yeah. and it doesn't mean that the times when it feels wonderful and easy aren't used either. The Lord just uses it all because he is, he is so kind. Yeah. Yeah. We could be up there just, just sweating through it and, and hating every moment of, but, but Susan is in the third row and she's getting blessed, you know, and it's <laughs> surprising how, how the Lord serves his people. Uh, that's kind of coming back to it. The Lord is serving his people. And sometimes we feel great while we're doing it. And sometimes we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, yeah. And, and thanks for letting us into your, you know, your Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, even, even battles. I've been thinking through Psalm 42 a lot uh, lately, and I've kind of noticed how um, it's like every, it's like all the even numbered verses in that Psalm are these like positive proclamations of the goodness of God. And then it's like all the odd ones. It doesn't break down exactly, but it's, it's this rhythm of back and forth of like, you know, the Lord commands his loving kindness by day and his song at night. And then the very next verse is like, and I'm so downcast. And then, and then it's like, he's back and forth, this, this pendulum. And I'm just so appreciative of uh, the honesty of the Psalter. And I'm sure Lamentations <laughs> has some, some similar sections like that as well of acknowledging the fact that yes, God is good. And, and yes, I am really having a hard time right now, but it doesn't stop me from proclaiming the, the goodness of God to all who will listen. And that wonderful sense, how he proclaims it to himself, or, or there it's the sons of Korah, isn't it? Um, and says, you know, why why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? You know, hope in the Lord, O oh my soul. And that sense of, you know, I am downcast, but I know that I can hope in the Lord. So, so I, I need to talk to myself and, and and church family. I mean, I found it huge. And this is this is hard. I'm I'm I struggle with pride and. I, I know that I am weak and vulnerable and I need Christ and I need my brothers and sisters, but I still find it hard to admit it. But, but sharing that and talking to my, my community group and to my fellow elders about some of those struggles, I've I found to be a huge blessing. And, and I think as a younger pastor, I, a younger preacher, I think I, I thought like I needed to project a sort of godly maturity to the church to encourage them. And and I think I was wrong. I think I need to be honest. You know, Paul says to Timothy, let them see your progress. Um, let them be encouraged that the spirit is working in your life and not let them see that you are the finished article because you're not. And I think just that sort of relief of being able to 
share some of those those burdens and those struggles and those difficulties and have brothers and sisters who know me and know what I'm like um, has been has been a help, a real help. Right. Yeah, I can I can um, yeah empathize or sympathize with with some of that. Yeah, as as a you know we're both in our middle ages, you know, um, and I, I've been preaching for 20 years and even for 25, which means we each got started pretty young. Um, and there are real advantages of that. It's, it's great to be for me to be 38 with 20 years of experience. That's a, that's a rare thing. Um, but it also meant that I probably dealt with a lot of insecurity in those younger years, being so young and then trying really hard to make up for my youth by being very smart or by making sure that I quote so many people. So people, you know, the impression I wanted to give off in those early years, sometimes to be honest, was like, yeah, I might be young and inexperienced, but I'm really well read. And I want you to know that. And um, yeah, it turns out that's not the most important thing. And, and, and in front of the Lord's people on a Sunday morning is not a good place for you to be working your insecurities out or trying to, to find approval um, from them. So uh, the Lord's patient. Uh, he's, he's, he's put up with a lot from me over the years. And um, I don't think I've arrived yet, but at least I've been able to articulate um, some of the reasons for my previous insecurity and hopefully grow out of them. And maybe the the young preachers who are listening to this podcast um, might be relieved of some of that to, to say, you don't have to quote everyone and prove that you're smart enough, even though you're young. But uh, as as you were saying, John, just authenticity, honesty—that's more important than than book smarts. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I think I think it is a really important thing for young preachers to hear because I think particularly um, maybe in some ways that pressure that we felt to look smart and together and sort of the full package has maybe even got harder with the the availability of internet preaching, um, which is a huge blessing. But guys, guys are hearing great preachers um, and a real variety. And- yeah, and there's there's smarter preachers and better preachers available everywhere. So just just give up. Just be honest. Just be yourself. You can't be as smart as as Tim Keller. You can't be as smart as you know whatever whatever local or international celebrity you feel you're being compared against. That's it. That's it. And I think there has to be real confidence that the Lord knows our people and knows us and um has, has given the gifts to the church that that church needs and i think that that sense that we are um ordained by the lord preach on this passage that sunday not because we are special but because he loves this people and he has a particular word for them is is incredibly important to grasp to kind of cut out that that comparison yeah yeah um so, so what i was going to say in terms of growing as a preacher is i i've been trying yeah as you say i mean thinking about recently over the last few years i think as we planted the church i probably had other areas of ministry i was focusing on but i, I the last few years i wanted to kind of so i did ask um a more experienced preacher if he might listen to my talks and give me feedback but um sadly he was a bit busy and, and couldn't do that the chap I'd approached I've been trying to seek a bit more feedback from within the church family which which has been really helpful and I've been trying to read um read more theologically rather than more practical books just to try to kind of keep thinking 
about the Lord. But, you know, it's funny. And, and this will sound a little bit, um, oh, I don't know, but it's true. So I'll just say it. I, I was praying for the Lord to, to show me where I could maybe grow as a preacher. And then um, our, our mutual friend, John Brown, got in touch and suggested your podcast. Um, it's something I could do. So I, I thought I'd be, I like helping out. I like talking about preaching. But I've been listening to the Expositors Collective and I've kind of resolved to keep doing so because it's really helping me think about preaching. I, I love I love the assumption that we're, we're there to preach Christ, um, not there just to teach facts, although we must do that, but we're there to, to preach Christ, to, to warm hearts by the fire of Jesus Christ, um, as Sibs would say. And, and, and I, I want to grow as a preacher. I'm thinking, actually, if I just listen to your back catalogue and subscribe, that is going to be wonderful. So it sounds like I'm sort of trying to advertise your show on your show, but you didn't ask me to do that or know I was going to say it. And it's it's true. I just wanted to thank you because I think this is, I know you particularly want to serve younger preachers, but for me, it's been a feast already and I've only listened to four or five episodes. So I'm going to keep doing so and and grow. Thank you. John, that is way kind. Um, that's, that's really great. So uh, yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, again, yeah, the the target audience is is younger and newer preachers, but um, but certainly um, as a as a middle aged preacher myself, I I love this stuff, and I think that um, all of us need to to keep on growing in our personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Uh, John, where could people like get connected? Like, you have a new book coming out. Where can people read your stuff or 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 listen to your teachings? Or maybe you can send people towards the the proper website. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so we do we do record sermons most weeks um, when we manage to remember to hit record um, and don't have our technical issues. It's broadgrace.org.uk. Um, I've, I've written a couple of books. Uh, we, we mentioned a couple of them. There's one coming out next year, which I'm quite excited about. It's called Refreshed. Um, and it is devotions for your summer holiday if you're British or your vacation if you're over in the United States um, because we use the words differently and I had to try and write the book without using either of them too much but the idea is when we're away from home it can be quite a a, a time when we're out of routine and maybe we let our daily devotions our daily quiet time slip but it's a great time for for reflecting on the Lord in new ways um, whether we're we're um, single, whether we've got a family. And so this is a series of devotions that pick up biblical imagery in creation that you might encounter when you're on a trip away. So if you're on the beach and you're making a sandcastle, um, if in the morning you've read a, a study that helps you think about how the Lord is a strong tower and, and how he's not eroded by the sea, then that might make your day just even more sunny and enjoyable with the light of Christ. So that's that's the hope. I have loved writing it. It's been a, a real joy to write. And I hope that it'll serve the church um, a bit more widely too. Oh, well, that's great. Well, I, I see it's coming out in March. Um, so right as the weather potentially is going to get warmer and people might be thinking of those, those summer holidays. So well, well marketed from... Uh, what, 10 of those or is it from the good book company is that the publisher that's the idea that's the idea i'm hoping they're going to fly me to, to florida or somewhere to shoot a promotion <laughs> okay well thanks very much john and uh links for all of these uh, and more the good book company yes yeah good book company yeah. yeah so links for all of these will be in the show notes 
Uh, I hope this helps you grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for listening all the way to the end. And of course, I'm thankful for John about saying nice things about this podcast. So I'm certainly glad that that was recorded and uh, able to be uh, released for the world to hear. But anyway, if you're listening to this, you probably already know what a treasure trove this podcast is. Um, Personally, I love the chance to be able to sit down with so many preachers, authors, scholars, practitioners, and just be able to geek out about preaching. Uh, Not just the nuts and bolts, but with with this episode particularly, really the heart issues of how we're able to not just prepare sermons, but prepare our hearts. Okay, at the beginning of the episode, I asked you to please be praying about this upcoming training event that's taking place Friday and Saturday in Costa Mesa, California. And I just want to remind you, uh, we really value uh, your prayers. Uh, Thank you so much for praying. I hope that you would jot it down and pray on Friday or Saturday uh, in whatever time zone, on whatever continent that you're in. Uh, It'd be a really encouraging thing to know that the subscribers to this podcast um, all over the world. I was looking at the stats. I was seeing we have people in Singapore. Uh, There's people in Norway. Uh, There's people in Chile. There's people in Uganda. Um, There's people in Ireland. Uh, There's people all over the world that are listening. And this is a free service for you. Hopefully it helps. Could you take a minute out of your day and pray for our training event this Friday and this Saturday? All right. Hope this helps you grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. I'll see you next Tuesday with another episode of the podcast. God bless.